This is Center Stage, putting lawyers in the spotlight by highlighting attorneys and other industry experts to help take your law firm to the next level. Hey everyone, and welcome to Center Stage. I'm your host, John Henson, and this week we are talking about uh, creating good content for your law firm. And I am joined this week by Laura Briggs, and she is with Lawyerist. Uh, it's a great resource for attorneys, and we'll talk some about that uh, a little bit later. But Laura, thank you for joining us. How's it going? It's going well. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. So yeah, so before we kind of dive in and start talking about content and, and what lawyers should be creating, where they should be putting it, all that kind of good stuff, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I am the Marketing and Partnerships Director at Lawyerist. And before that, I spent eight years working as a legal content writer and copywriter, mostly for solo and small law firms. So a lot of experience in kind of the marketing, consulting, brand awareness arena for attorneys today, which, you know, is a is a struggle for a lot of them because it's a really competitive market. And there's almost information overload over how much there is to take in. And, and how do you figure out what you should really focus your energy and your marketing dollars? on is a big challenge. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, that's kind of where we're at, you know, the, the content marketing, you know, marketing world in general is just kind of shifting more towards more, uh, content and, you know, yeah. getting out in front of people, putting out uh, a lot of good content as well is super important. So when, for lawyers specifically, what kinds of content should they be creating? Well, I think there's a couple different types of content that are core. I mean, number one, the foundation of everything is your website, right? So when you have a place to drive traffic to your website from, you want to make sure that that website is a comprehensive example of everything you want readers to know and learn about you in just a matter of seconds. So that homepage, how easy it is to navigate the site, all of the content on those practice area pages as well. Um, and having a blog is something that is increasingly less optional. That's something that's really important for a lot of small law firms, both to explain their approach to the law and answer common questions, but also for the purposes of search engine optimization. I also think sharing content on social media is really important. That's often a lot shorter, um, but it does require a faster pace of keeping up with things. You might only update your practice areas once a year, or once every couple of years, if very little has changed. But in terms of social media, you really need to be active on there minimum several times a week. Ideally, it's going to be every day and possibly even a couple times a day. Yeah. And, and I also think video uh, is a huge thing. Um, I, you know, I was looking, there was a stat that I read. I think I've mentioned it on another episode too. It's like 86% of businesses have video as part of their marketing strategy, but only about a quarter of lawyers actually have it right now. So there's a big opportunity there for lawyers to do more with video marketing on top of their blogging for sure. And then social media is a great way to kind of put all that stuff out there. Uh, podcasting, you know, if an attorney has their own podcast, that's, very, you know, it's, it's still relatively new, I guess, compared to video and blog, but it is obviously blowing up. You and I both obviously are doing podcasts um, for our own respective businesses, but, but there's a huge opportunity for attorneys there as well. Um, let's talk about like the actual topics. And, and, you know, so we've got the different mediums of content. I've, I've been pretty much seen like two separate strategies, you know, Attorneys will either have a blog full of like case results, you know, oh, we won a half a million dollars for this client or, you know, the Supreme Court ruled this or whatever. But then there's the, another strategy where it's, you know, a little bit more surface level. Maybe it's, uh, you know, a blog or a video kind of explaining a, a specific law or a legal concept or whatever. So 
and you know, maybe there's a third option I don't know about. What do you think the kinds of topics lawyers should be, you know, kind of centering their content on? I think it's great to talk about the successes that you've had in and out of court with those case results, but what you want to avoid is writing the blog for your own purposes. And this is the wrong route that a lot of attorneys go down when they start marketing and say, okay, I can just do this myself. I don't want to hire, you know, a content writer, or I don't want to hire a marketing agency. I'm just going to write it myself. The reader of that content is not you. So you can't write it as if it's interesting to you or would be interesting to a legal colleague. It's really all about the reader more so than ever, right? Attention spans are only getting shorter and shorter. So if someone feels like you're making something too dumbed down, like you're condescending to them, or you're living up in the legal statutes and sharing a bunch of jargon that doesn't mean anything to them, that doesn't really feel good either. And so you want to strike that middle balance. What is interesting to your reader? And I think you can weave those elements in of, you know, say you're writing a blog about a topic and you recently had a similar case. You can mention, you know, we've had cases like this before. We successfully have negotiated them to settlement or taken them all the way to trial or whatever your unique value proposition is. But I think one of the best places to start are what are those common misconceptions and questions that you get from your actual clients? What are they asking during those intake calls? You can gather all of that information and then repurpose it into great material. And you know, it's things that people are interested in or are confused about as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, and I think the the framing of that message is really important too, because one of the things that we've seen is kind of a shift where um, the messaging used to all be just all about the attorney, like, hey, this is what we want. This is what we can do now. I'm uh, not sure if you're familiar with Donald Miller and, and the whole story brand concept, but it's that shift from you're not the hero of the story. Your client yeah. is the hero of the story. And so your messaging really needs to evoke that on an emotional level and really yeah. show that, you know, you understand what your, you know, what your client is going through. And, and a good way to do that is through the content that you create. Yeah. Meet them where they're at emotionally. Most times when someone is reaching out to a lawyer, it's at a very nerve wracking or even devastating time in their life. You know, they're thinking about starting a business concerned about mistakes. They're in a divorce. They've been accused of a crime. Meet them where they're at emotionally and make them the hero of the story that you are the one who's guiding them to that, you know, ideal end result, or at least keeping them informed throughout the duration of their case, regardless of what's at stake there. And I think that's a place where it all too often goes goes wrong because the easiest place to differentiate yourself competitively is, well, we've won this many cases. We've received these awards. We've gotten this recognition. You know, our lawyers have done X, Y, and Z. And those things are important, right? They're all that part of that credibility, but they're all about the firm. There's nothing really there about the client. How does that actually translate to the client's experience? If your lawyers have won 50 cases in the last year, how can you reframe that message to talk about, we are not afraid to take your case to trial. We will help you find the best resolution path for your case. That's more focused on where the client is at and the client's concern because they definitely want to know that you're good at what you do. But beyond that, you have to differentiate yourself more from some of your competitors by really appealing to what the client needs in that moment. 
Yeah. And, and, and to your point, you know, differentiating yourself just kind of means something a little different now, you know, it's not all about the case results. You differentiate yourself by how you make that emotional connection by even to your like website, how it is designed, the content that you're putting out and and all of that. And so, uh, you know, let's go back to the website for, for, for a second here. You know, one of the things that we do for our clients when they design a website with us is we create uh, basically a downloadable resource for them in the marketing world, it's called a lead magnet. And so this could be, you know, kind of a, an ebook, a free download, a checklist, a worksheet, whatever, you know, whatever you want to have. And this, it's a great way to capture leads through your website. So in your opinion, you know, what are some good examples of some great lead magnets that lawyers can employ on their website or even other places? Yeah, I think you want to avoid either of the two extremes in this case. You don't want your lead magnet to be a throwaway. So something that doesn't speed up a process or break down something complex or something that they could find with a simple Google search. But most of the time, people are actually on the other end of the spectrum when they create lead magnets, which is, well, let me give away a lot here to show my clients how generous I am and how knowledgeable I am. And it's motivated by good intentions, but those kind of lead magnets are actually really overwhelming for people like the complete guide to planning all of your estate and having that be a a 50 page PDF, your readers if they download it, are not going to read all 50 pages. So that's especially problematic if you've put your best content and your calls to action at the end of it, because they'll never get there. So think about something that can be, you know, ideally like that, like you mentioned, that short ebook, checklist, reports, things that are, you know, several pages, maybe no more than 10 or so, that's really going to feel like a value add. How can you give them a win by the end of the lead magnet so that they feel more competent in something or they feel more confident in your service? So I think it's just important to think about how do I avoid those two ends of the spectrum? This is valuable enough that someone's going to say, sure, you can show up in my email inbox, but it's not so overwhelming that they're just like, I, I can't even handle this. I can't digest all this information. Yeah. And I, and I think another important element of that is that sort of credibility factor where, you know, it doesn't have to be a 50 page paper, but, you know, you can have a report, uh, you know, and frame it as like a free ebook or a free white paper or something. All of a sudden, you know, in a common person's mind, for lack of a better term, you know, someone who's potentially going to hire you as an attorney, they see that and it's like, wow, this, it looks like a big deal. They know what they're talking about. And it's just planting those little seeds in someone's mind that, hey, this person is the expert and yeah, you know, I think the, the credibility factor is a huge part of, of having a good lead magnet on a website. So let's talk um, about how we get content out for lawyers. So we talked, you know, you mentioned briefly about social media and obviously that's going to be a great place to get your content out there and make sure people see it, you know, whether it's Facebook, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, whatever the case may be. But one of the things that I I've heard pushback on attorneys about is posting the same blog multiple times. You know, they think, oh, people are going to see it. They're going to get annoyed by it, but that's actually not the case. So what, why should lawyers be repurposing and recycling their older content or even their most recent content? 
Because if you think about how you use social media yourself as a consumer, there's a lot of things that we don't see, even though we may want to see them. Why? Because companies like Facebook or Twitter are deciding what's most important in the feed. And if you follow a lot of people or are connected to a lot of people, some things that you actually want to see can get lost in the shuffle. If you Now you have to be so intentional, right? You have to say, send me notifications when so-and-so posts something or when this group is active or whatever. And a lot of people just don't do that. So if you think about how many things you miss in the feed, it might be the second or third or fourth time that a company has shared something or a resource, or even just their brand has popped up for you before you decide to engage with it. So you have to think about your readers the same way. If they're annoyed by it, they, you know, they probably weren't going to follow you or become a client of yours anyways. You do want to strike that balance where you're not hitting people with, you know, you're sharing the same blog every two weeks or every month, you're highlighting the same thing. You're not creating any new content, but repurposing is one of the most valuable things that you can do as a marketer period, but especially for law firms, how far and how many things can you create from one piece of content, knowing that people will digest it in different ways. So maybe you host a podcast and it's 30 minutes of audio. You can make a blog out of that, an email newsletter out of that. You can make social media graphics that have quotes from it. You can make an audio that has a minute teaser of the episode. Different people learn in different ways and prefer to consume in different ways. So you may not get the person who falls in love with your podcast and follows you from sharing the quote graphic on social media, but maybe they see the transcript and read through it or the blog post or something like that. And that's how they choose to engage with it. So if you have good quality content, right, that's the core, there's a lot you can do with it. And it really will not be as overwhelming or annoying to people as most attorneys think. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that we've talked about that whole content multiplication idea where you can take that one piece of pillar content to your point. Maybe it's a podcast episode, maybe it's a video and you can chop it up, turn it into different mediums and you can take one piece of content that you created and you can easily create 50 pieces of content across a ton of different platforms and reach a ton of different people. Yeah. Yeah. And why wouldn't you, right? Because it takes, that's the biggest pushback that I hear from attorneys is, oh man, this is going to take a lot of time. If I have to launch a podcast, or even if I do a live video on Facebook once a week, you know, I've got to have all the equipment. I've got to have the setup. I got to take the time out of my schedule. So if you're doing something like that, how do you make sure that you get as much mileage out of that individual piece as possible? It takes a lot of pressure off of you because you don't need to do all of the creation. You create that original content and then you have somebody on your team or a freelancer. It's actually an increasingly common term when you say content repurposer, I've hired people like this before. They know what that means. They they'll tell you, Oh, I do this for other clients all the time. And that way the pressure is not on you. They will decide what to pull from that and can even schedule it for you. So your job is just to show up and do the thing only you can do. And then let someone else kind of pull the gold nuggets from that. Exactly. Yeah. And then that gets into a whole nother conversation about delegating and how it's important to delegate. And <laughs> yeah. we, can, we can go on and on about yes. that. We've had episodes about that already. So, um, so let's, uh, let's start to kind of wrap it up here. I uh, mentioned before you are with Lawyerist as a great, great tool for attorneys out there. Talk for a second, just about what Lawyerist is, how people can learn more about it and, and kind of the benefits of, of being a, a subscriber. 
Yeah. Lawyerist is a massive resource hub and community where it's our goal to help connect solo and small firm lawyers with the products and resources and knowledge and community they need to grow the business side of their firm. Kind of this whole premise of law school didn't teach you business. So you need to learn all of these aspects like the hiring and the firing and the marketing and how to set KPIs and all of those different things. So we have a free community called Lawyerist Insider. You can get 17 different tools and templates for running your small law firm from there. And then we also have a paid coaching program called Lawyerist Lab, which is a bunch of attorneys working together um, on their own firms to build really healthy small law firms. And that's kind of what we see as the, the future of law, we hope. Awesome. Yeah. And, you know, just, you know, you also have, uh, you know, uh, vendor, like vetted vendors, you know, I know obviously we're one of them, but yeah. you know, we didn't pay to, to get that, but um, you yeah. know, you have a bunch of other like marketing providers, a consultant, all kinds of good stuff. So like, yeah. you know, wherever you are as an attorney, you, there's so much information and so many good resources that lawyers provides good unbiased reviews of things. Uh, you know, it's a really good value yeah. for attorneys out there. I highly recommend uh, you go to lawyerist.com and, and check it all out. So uh, Laura, I think um, it's time to wrap it up here with our uh, final question. So if you had one piece of advice for attorneys out there, what would it be? To be conscious of your goals when you are outsourcing marketing it's very easy to think you can pass this off to somebody else and have them handle all of it but you do need to be in charge of that strategic component of oversight of what is it that we want to see out of our marketing and what are we classifying as a win there's so many companies out there uh, that are marketing to attorneys that will take on their marketing work and all of these types of things just do your research make sure that you partner with a company that shares your values that really knows the legal space and you're really confident can handle marketing your firm to, to stay true to the mission and sort of the company culture that you have in your firm. Awesome. Love it. So yeah, so I think the big takeaway today is uh, create content and make it yes. good. Don't focus on promoting, you know, the <laughs> cases that you want so much, but educate your audience uh, raise that credibility uh, and also go check out Lawyerist if you need some uh, inspiration and some some good direction on where to go. So that's going to do it for us. Laura, thank you so much for joining us this week. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. So that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, continue to rate, review us, uh, keep sending the feedback, what topics you would like to hear from. I always enjoy uh, hearing what you guys have to say and that's going to do it. See you next week. Thanks for listening. To learn more, go to spotlightbranding.com slash center stage.